What's going on? Another episode here of Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast. I'll start like always. Uh, thanks for leaving the iTunes reviews. Um, I could use many more of them. So if you get a chance, please head to iTunes and just review it in the store. If you're on your phone, just do it that way through the podcast app. Or if you can do it in the iTunes store on your computer, that's always helpful to have uh, those stars and, and a nice review written. Uh, the other things of like always Instagram average Joe's beer podcast. So at average Joe's beer podcast, you can follow me on Instagram where I like to post a lot of beer porn and look at everyone else's. And I also post the new episodes there as well. At Facebook, you can find the average Joe's above average beer podcast page. You can like that, leave reviews on there too. That's always cool. And then, uh, Twitter and untapped. Those are the other two big ones. You can get me there at, at Joe Bob one. It's pretty easy to find me on all outlets podcast is on you know podbean stitcher radio google play itunes is the big one you can get me in pretty much anything pocket casts all those big big platforms and uh coming soon to spotify they have uh had some hard times at spotify getting people new podcasts uploaded so uh, it's coming soon though and this this time this time around we've got kevin Lilly and uh david Dahl over at low res brewing low res on uh, kind of the south side of chicago it's a badass place. It's got a really cool, like, a little outdoor area that used to be like a loading dock and this beautiful tap room. It's got spacious, great old picnic tables, and they're just they're just doing beer. They're just doing like their kind of beer. It's like their flavor. It's not big old New England IPAs. It's not big pastry stouts. It's their style of beer. A lot of great Sassans and Belgian inspired stuff. But they got a little something for everybody. They were so awesome and cool and insightful to talk to. Loved hearing their story, and I think you guys are going to too. So. Take take a minute and listen to what Kevin and David have to say of a low res brewing in Chicago. All right, we're live now. We're live and recording. I'm sitting here uh, with the with the fellows from Low Res. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, my name is Kevin Lilly, uh, co-founder of Low Res and uh, head brewer. Actually, only brewer, so it doesn't matter what adjectives we use. Just the, brewer. the brewer. The brewer. The guy. You don't have to be head or top brewer or whatever. Brewmaster. Top dog brewer. Top dog. And the fellow to your side here, who we got? I'm Dave Dahl, um, and I'm CEO and all things sales and distribution. The, the distro king. Okay. The distro. I'm the distro king of low res, <laughs> and the only distro guy of low res. Right, exactly. We <laughs> don't need only, adjectives. The only brewer and the only <laughs> and the only distro guy. I love yeah. it. And then uh, behind us in our tap room, we have about ten uh, ten bartenders. So uh, running the tap room, a small team, a uh, little family here. So uh, great, great people too. Yeah, low res in the Pilsen area, correct? Yeah, and and just real quick on on what Kevin was touching on there, so. Uh, so we look kind of look at things that you know Kev, Kevin's on the brew side, I'm on the sales and distro side outside of the space, and then we share leadership of the tap room. But the real work gets done um, by we've got two managers. We've got an events and marketing manager named Emily O'Keefe. She's a million bucks. She's here. I don't know if you met her earlier. Um, I think and she put me in contact with you guys. Oh like yeah, Facebook or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's she's here uh, behind the uh, behind the the bar tonight too and then our taproom manager who's uh, out of town on vacation lazy no. <laughs> it's, uh, Jenny, uh, Virginia Johnson she goes by Jenny but they're a million bucks we could not do this taproom without them 
plus this crazy, fantastic staff that we have in the tap room too. So, it's a sizable tap room. I mean, it's a nice sized tap room. You got a great space. Yeah, yeah. we've got uh, just about two thousand square feet here. Uh, Ninety-nine person occupancy in the tap room, and then we've got an old uh, covered loading dock. Uh, that we've converted into a small beer garden. So, you know, another 35, 40 people occupancy out there. And since it's like 60 degrees, people are actually using it. It is it's actually great. getting used for the first time great. this year. It yep. is 420 on a Friday, and it's, yeah, it's it's a sweet day today. 420 it's, spring day. Yep, and it's a beautiful day, and people were out there. I parked, and I was like, look at that. People are outside just yep. hanging out. Got a taco truck or something out there, some kind of food truck we out there. We have a yep. taco truck. They come every couple of weeks. We try to have taco trucks Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. And uh, these guys are great, great tacos and uh, other Mexican fare. Now, when I walked in, you guys were running around, and like you guys were kind of embodying what you've just said. I've, you were behind the bar, uh, Dave. You were you were w- working behind the bar, Kevin. You were running around with rubber boots on, uh, finishing up some things. Yeah, I still have the rubber boots on. They uh, <laughs> they they're kind of stuck to my feet at this point. Getting, uh, getting a little sweaty down there. Twenty four seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I was day. finishing kegging a new batch of beer. We uh, we just released in the tap room. Uh, we call it secondary element, and it's a tart wheat saison. So it's kind of a blend of our uh, what we call our classic or traditional saison, which we call primary element. We blended that with a, uh, a kettle sour wort, essentially a Berliner Weiss base, to kind of get a, uh, a light, tart, wheat, uh, heavy saison. Uh, so a real nice uh, spring drinker on a day like today. Uh, refreshing, 4.8% alcohol. And then Dave will start schlepping kegs next week. So my part's done. His part begins. Kevin, we, we like to say that Kevin Kevin sticks them in the cooler and I pull them out. <laughs> it's that simple. That's it. I know. You gotta, <laughs> that's all, that's in this all world, it is. you got to just keep it simple, right? So you're the keg schlepper extraordinaire as uh, well. Indeed. Yeah. So how, how deep does distro go? I mean, how, how spread are you? We, so... Um, so we, we like to focus primarily on Chicagoland, um, even more so on Chicago and even more so on Pilsen uh, for a couple of reasons, because, you know, we want to cover the places that we love to drink and continue to drink. And frankly, our murder van only gets nine miles to the gallon. Ah, the murder van. So that's a consideration. If you don't have a murder van, then you're not doing distro right. That's right. The- is, do, do, do we always con- call it the murder van? I mean, is that a nickname for I it? I think or from the day that we <laughs> walked up to the lot and we saw it, and we called it the We're murder like, van. That's our fucking murder van, dude. <laughs> we want that one. No windows. But, uh, but no, we've got um, we've got about uh, 80 active accounts right now. Uh, we lost a few folks, you know, due to just random closings and stuff. Um, but so we've got 80 active, uh, like I said, mostly Chicago proper. We've got some sort of friend accounts that are out in a couple of the suburbs. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, Crafted uh, 1979. Yeah. Um, they just brought us in super guys that are also on sort of a similar um, careers jumping tracks to something they're really passionate about that, that, that Kevin and I did. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a blast. We're... We're at capacity. Uh, we're we're brewing and selling as fast as we can, and um, trying to keep all our accounts happy and keep the folks in the tap room happy. So, what's a, what's a day like for for you, Kevin? I mean, we talked a little bit before we started about just just the distractions and things that happen throughout the day. So, as you, on your side, on the brew side, 
What, what's your kind of typical day? Yeah, well, I brew about once a week. We only have three fermenters, uh, and we tend to turn them every three and a half weeks, so I kind of skip a week occasionally. Um, so if I'm not doing a brew day, you know, I'm cleaning tanks or cleaning kegs, uh, or today I was, I was kegging beer, and then, you know, I'll have to clean the bright tank. Um, but, you know, Dave and I also manage the business, so there's, there's interruptions, there's, there's events planning that we do with uh, Emily and Ginny that we mentioned. Um, Dave and I are always huddling about whether it's new accounts or old accounts or, you know, what are we going to brew next or are we going to tweak any recipe or, hey, here's an idea I have for a recipe and then I'll get feedback from Dave or, you know, whatever. So there's, there's always, you know, every aspect of running the business every day. Um, a lot of interruptions, but that's, you know, that's a small business. We both came from tech startups, high tech startups, small companies. So we're used to wearing multiple hats and just running with what needs to be done today, prioritizing and just adjusting your flow to get the most important things done in a day. So when you're talking about high tech start startups, like like go go deeper on that. Like what were you doing? Oh, you want us to nerd out a little yeah. bit? Yeah, please. Yeah. Nerd out. <laughs> Have fun. Uh, so we uh, Dave and I we met in uh, the mid '90s uh, at a very small internet uh, consultancy building ne- websites. Neoglyphics. Right? We got to put the name. Yeah, out Neoglyphics. There. neoglyphics. Uh, we got a lot of friends in the Chicago community that went through Neoglyphics, and then ultimately Orbits.com uh, was probably the one company that most people would know that we were at part of the uh, initial tech team of. Um, but my career was coding, and then I'd get bored with coding. I'd go into management. I'd get bored with management. I'd go back to coding. And so I kind of bounced around in tech, and I never really felt uh, like I had a solid career path because I was never really happy on one side or the other. And tech is very bifurcated. Either you're a coder or you're a manager. Right. Um, and, again, I like wearing multiple hats. I like being in small companies where... I could have both. And as soon as the company got big enough where I had to kind of go down one path or the other, I started getting dissatisfied. Um, so that's kind of in my DNA um, as far as uh, always wanting to meet challenges and have new challenges every day. Um, so, yeah, at various points I was a coder. At various points I managed, you know, up to 25 developers, you know, VP of tech kind of stuff at, at small companies. And what about you, my friend? You, you were in a similar path, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, I got to throw out there, first of all, I always try to put this out as much as I can, is I would put Kevin up as the best software architect in the Chicagoland area. Not true. I'm not sure if <laughs> he's, so. if he's, he's willing to take on any challengers right now, but um, no, he, 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 uh, he was killer and, and still is, even more so in his sweaty brewing boots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, similar path. Um, I came to Chicago... Um, when Kevin and I met uh, early mid 90s and uh, developer uh, moved into management um, Kevin and I uh, started off as co-workers and then one person would move to a new job and, and we might hire in the other person you know I report to Kevin Kevin report to me somebody might go do a, a contract job and help each other out along the way and and um, and then the last uh, 10 years or so before I finally cut ties, I was uh, CTO of a lot of different, or a handful of different uh, startup or early stage companies. Uh, Chief technology officer is what CTO is. And um, and then, you know, along the way, Kevin and I uh, became drinking buddies. And that yeah. happened pretty quick. I think that's the critical thing, right? Like, right. So right. we had this, this career that kind of intertwined and kind of like Dave said, we, we worked at various companies together. 
um, but always with with uh, uh, a friendship on the side, um, exploring beer, you know, getting to know places like Hopleaf, Map Room. We were lucky the first startup that we worked at, that, that company, Neoglyphics, was about six blocks from Map Room. Um, it was about a block from a bar that had delirium tremens on tap back in 96 so that was our Which first was introduction to like amazing belgian a beer, beer moment for me um, that was the artful dodger hopefully some folks remember that place yeah. it's been it's been turned into condos a couple decades ago though yeah and it's uh it's now memorialized in the name of one of our fermenters so I was just gonna ask you our, i feel like uh, when i walked back there i saw that? that name on a, on a barrel <laughs> fermenter there yeah yeah so our our stainless steel tanks are named after bars that we used to drink at that are now no longer in existence in chicago so they're memorialized forever and sometimes we drink good beer there some of the bars we drank bad beer at but we always had a good time so I gotta say, I was never a fan of Delirium Tremons. I I was given it once while I was starting to get into craft beer, and I did not like it. Oh, I, I wow. just had this conversation. I'm, I'm not shitting on it. It's a great beer people love. Hey, you know, and not, not everybody likes every style. You right. know, I'm really big right. about that, especially in our tap room. Like, if you don't like this sample, that I, I don't care. But I, but just give me the right. patience to find one that you might, you know, gravitate towards. So anyway, there's something on the board for everybody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and we try yeah. to put a lot of different styles up on our board. Yeah, I try to be responsible when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like not shitting on anything because. I don't. My palate sucks. I'm sure you know. I don't know who's got the best palate in the world versus the not best palate in the world. So well, just because I didn't like it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and everyone's got preferences. Like whether you right. have a great tasting palate and you can taste what's in a beer that you dislike or not, you still will prefer it or not. Yeah, prefer, you still gravitate right? towards different stuff. And whether you can piece it, pull it apart, and actually put words to those experiences that you're, you know, the, the flavors and the aromas. Yeah. You st- everybody still has preferences. So drinking buddies. We're Absolutely. drinking buddies. We found some delirium tremons. We're, we're drinking at these bars. Now what? How, where, where does that spark? Yeah, so that, that went on for years, probably a decade and a half, um, through various iterations, uh, working downtown, working in the neighborhoods, whatever. And then uh, it was about 11 years ago now, uh, Dave asked me, hey, uh, I'm going to be homebrewing in my garage on a Saturday afternoon. And I always laugh because my initial reaction was, oh, no, I've had people's homebrew and it's always bad. Why would I want to go in your garage <laughs> and have this homebrew? Because I had had yeah. experiences of people's bad homebrews in the 90s, right? As yes, if I. Um, Back when most homebrew was bad. And Dave was basically like, well, we're not going to drink the beer. We're just going to make the beer come, drink other beer that you like, and have a good time on a Saturday afternoon. So that's kind of how it started. He had been a home brewer basically on and off since college at that point, I think. Uh, had just bought a house. Actually, we were living in the same neighborhood at the time, so we were, we were pretty close together. Um, and had a garage, so he had space to do it. So uh, the first beer we did was a Saison. Um, that recipe is not one of the recipes that's currently in uh, no? the low-res lo- rotation. No. Um, typical homebrew recipe. It was kind of like throw a little bit of this in, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and... We tried for years to kind of rein it in and change some of the ratios of ingredients, and we never, it really never had a purpose. So we couldn't really bring it forward into low res um, as we became better experienced brewers. I think we, we learned how to simplify and highlight yeah. specific ingredients using them for a specific reason instead of just you know throw everything into the <laughs> kitchen sink. Everybody you know? gets in the pot. Yeah, we, oh. we uh, so that, that beer, so. The reason that beer is is sort of on a on a dusty shelf right now 
is because as we were looking at our initial lineup of beers that we wanted to put out to the public when we were opening, it didn't really fit a good slot. You know, we had a couple of really nice multi beers, whether they're dark or medium multi beers, had some really nice Belgian style beers. And those are the beers that Kevin and I really gravitate towards is, is the Belgian styles and the, and the multi styles. And it didn't, it didn't fit a good slot and it wasn't as clean as it should have been. So we're like, all right, I, I feel like that's something we need to revive still at some point, just yeah. at least for... Throwback. Yeah, just for some you know weird nostalgic reason. But that, was, that started as uh, a recipe that we pulled from Randy Mosher's book, Radical, Radical Brewing, Brewing yeah. which is a fantastic book if, if uh, you know, people are into reading about that kind of stuff. And then, and then, like Kevin said, we kind of bastardized it left and right. <laughs> And and since then, uh, well, you know, not long into our our, so it was Kevin and I homebrewing, and our good buddy Andy is a, a, a third guy that we we did most of our homebrewing with. And there's a lot of friends that would join, and you know, we'd always make a big party out of it. And um, the reason I bring that up though is is uh, is because you know at at one point Kevin and Andy and I were like, look, this is fun, we're making good beer, but let's make better beer. Let's figure out how to make really good freaking beer. And um, so then we ended up, you know, the first thing you do is you go back to the recipes you know and dissect them. Like, why is there um, 5% carapils? What, what the hell is that doing in there? Is that, is that, does anybody even know that there's 5% carapils in there? Was that arbitrary? Was it, yeah. Yeah, where did it come from, you know? And, and maybe we started with some sort of idea of what we wanted to do and threw too many things onto it and then so Kevin and I and 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 this actually I think kind of might go back to our tech roots too where there's this concept of of things that are overbuilt and overbuilt is not sexy overbuilt is not delicious so pull things apart that don't make sense throw them over your shoulder um, make sure now in this case what's in the glass you taste and uh, and if you need to change something, add something. But but you know it's it's easy to throw too much into a glass and things to become muddy, as opposed to have something that is really purposeful. Just bringing all those flavors forward. Yeah. So, so every time I hear somebody tell like early homebrew stories, I always I'm always curious like what was the setup like. Uh, we still have it in the back. We can show you. <laughs> nice. Um, no, we started. We started with like a, a, a 15 gallon kettle. Um, we used to do crazy double brews on a home de- home brew day, and we'd have like two mashes going, and like two kettles going, and like it, it was like insane with between Dave and Andy and I trying to juggle all of it. So we eventually said, we're trying to make 10 gallons of beer. Why don't we just get a bigger kettle and a bigger mash ton? And that's what the equipment that we still have. So we have like a uh, 20 gallon boil pot and uh, a nice large, large mash ton that we can mash enough grain for, for that. Um, so we still use that occasionally. We'll trot it out and do prototype recipes here at, at low res, maybe once a quarter um, to try to dial in something really new. Um, but if we're like doing like a new saison or a variant of some recipe that we've already done, we'll just do it on the big system. So it's pretty rare now that we trot out the, the prototype system. But it's still around. It's still knocking around, and you know we know how to brew good beer on it, so we can we can put it through its paces when it needs to. And we haven't we haven't uh, I don't think we've actually put anything on tap 
off the homebrew, off the, I should say, prototype system. Yeah, no, we've, we um, prototype stuff and we'll, then it's to we'll kind of... take it through to, you know, almost end of fermentation. Then you can get a really good idea of, of like a true prototype, prototype what direction is this going? Yeah, Does yeah. it make sense? Do we need to turn some knobs on it, move some levers? Um, so we oftentimes don't carbonate it, but we'll get it pretty much through fermentation and taste it and go, all right, what do we want to do with it? And then it goes down a drain. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's for us, for Dave and I, w- when we're building a recipe, we've got a concept. Okay, this is this is where we want this beer to be. And like I say, if it's kind of out of our wheelhouse, we've never brewed something similar, or we're using some really new specific malts that we're not quite sure how they're going to work out. Uh, we'll do a prototype, and then we're we're just tasting at the end of ferma- fermentation. Did the flavors come out where we want them? If not, let's do these five percent tweaks or something, and then we'll scale it directly on the big system at that point. So, um, but it gives us a chance to get in the ballpark and make sure we're in alignment on where the flavors are ending up. Nice, yeah. It's a it's a nice little little dry run almost of it. Yeah. Uh, now, when you're describing that system, that original system, to me. It sounds like way more than what most homebrewers start out with. Is that you just jump uh, right in? Well, Andy, no. so our, our, we, our third we did, buddy. We, grew, we definitely grew into yeah, it. Yeah, we grew into it, and Andy's kind of a gearhead. He liked building equipment. He liked kind of designing it. Um, so a lot of it kind of accreted through kind of Andy's direction. So He took, you know, he took welding classes to figure out how to, brew, uh, to, to weld a brew stand tall enough for us. Yeah. Andy's a tall guy, too. Oh, nice. Right, right. Hey, you guys um, don't lack height as a group. No. <laughs> height and hair length. <laughs> Andy, too? Uh, Is Andy packing some? No, he's, uh, no, he's short-haired. He's pretty he's high okay. and tight right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he rocks the beard, too, sometimes. Okay. So. Um, well, you can't not now, he's right? Got the, he, he's got the hairy beer guy thing going. <laughs> so you guys you guys kind of just grew into it. Like you, you started off with, like, what, like anybody else? A couple, like five-gallon, seven-gallon brew kettle and... Yeah, and a bayou burner, and yes, exactly. The, the banjo, I think it was banjo burner. Banjo, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, grew into it over a couple of years. Um, eventually, switched from brewing in Dave's garage to brewing in my garage, uh, mostly because we had uh, I have an unfinished basement, so just open basement. So we we got a couple of kegerators, so we could control fermentation temperature. You know, we started carbonating the keg and, and bottling off the keg so we could control carbonation level instead of trying to play with the yeast and the priming sugar and all that kind of stuff. And you never know quite where your carbonation is going to end up, you know, even if you do the math. The, um, the dark arts of bottle conditioning. So we just needed more space for essentially cellaring. So, you know, we, we moved over to my house and just kept accreting some gear. Um, and, uh, you know, that went on. So, like I say, that started about 11 years ago. Uh, about five years ago, Dave and I, you know, af- well, and Dave and Andy and I, um, you know, at the end of a long homebrew, you've been brewing in the garage, drinking beer, doing a bottle share, um, and you're always like, "Rawr, we should open yeah. a brewery, right?" Everyone does All that. All kinds of shit happening. Oh yeah. ideas flowing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, Take I wish we world. could. I wish we uh-huh. could do this for a living. And so you say that enough times, and finally you're like, you know what? We should stop saying this at midnight after we've been in the sun all day. And we should like get sober and actually talk about what a business plan means. Um, and so that was about five years ago. And, and Dave started throwing together numbers. We started researching the industry, what it means to distribute beer, um, velocity, you know, and, and, and then and then 
investigating equipment, you know, the whole thing, uh, um, leases, you know, everything, right? Um, and that process probably took us about a year to get to the point where we were going, going to investors to try to raise capital, uh, going to banks to get, to get SBA loans as well at the same time, um, starting to look for real estate. Um, and we looked, uh, we looked for about a year, I think, before we yeah. found this property that we wanted to, to we, lease. We, we walked like 85, 90 different buildings. Damn. Yeah, until we found home. Wait, how, how big was that radius you were looking through? Oh, uh, God. Throughout Chicago land. Like north uh, Chicago, to south. Yeah. Chicago proper. Yeah, like all Chicago all proper. over Chicago, Chicago proper. proper. Anything we're, go into that? Like why, why it had to be Chicago proper? Neither one of us wanted to move out to the Burbs. We're, yeah. we, we're both city guys. We love we're being pretty, in the city. We're pretty dug um, in. And, uh, uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't want to go too far out. We didn't want long commutes because we knew we wanted to stay living in the city. Um but yeah, we looked at a lot of properties. We saw one or two that we wanted to pull the trigger on and started uh, negotiations with the landlords. But, you know, they don't want a startup business, you know, too, too high risk, whatever. So, you know, move on, start looking at another 40 properties, you know. Um, and then we came down, we came down here, we saw this building, um, fell in love. We've got windows on three sides, three walls. So tons of light coming in, especially now at the end of the day, we get that Western sun real nice. Uh, we've got the outdoor patio that we mentioned. Um, and really out of the 85 or 90 buildings, maybe five had like a usable outdoor beer garden patio yeah, space. That's super rare. And that was something that we both really wanted the outdoor beer drinking experience. Um, so, and our, and our landlord was, was so open to that. Our, our landlord's fantastic. It's it's weird to say that we you know we've got one of the best landlords and 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 you know the the piece of loading dock which is essentially our front door. Was, yeah, it really is. It really yeah. is. And in fact, the, that that door didn't exist when we walked uh, walked in this building. This there's another door which is right there. Which if you're listening to the podcast, you yeah. can't see me pointing at For it. For those of you who aren't watching on television, <laughs> <laughs> so that that was the one door and. We're like, you haven't seen that, but it looks like um, a uh, a stairway from you know a, a high school that was built back in the you know nineteen twenties <laughs> yes. or something like that. So anyway, so we moved the the front door over there, which walks up on our drinking porch, which is the old um, which is the old loading dock, which is no longer used. And the, the our landlord is just like, oh yeah, sure, you want to use that. That sounds weird. Yeah, Go let's ahead. Do it. Yeah. Sounds very low res. So, so we walked in this place. The first time we walked in, we walked out, and Kevin and I were like, "Holy shit!" You know, it, it, they had a tenant in here, and it was stacked high with pallets of stuff as a distribution uh, space. And um, we're like, "Holy shit! This place looks fantastic." Yeah. Yeah, it had our requirements: high ceilings. Uh, we're we're six feet above grade, but there's no basement, so you don't have to worry about uh, weight or load of the tanks and stuff like that. Um, it had, like I said, the windows, the porch. Like it was like, okay, this is great. Uh, we love the location. We love the building. Yeah, it's an old brick and timber frame uh, building. So for folks that that aren't obviously seeing this because this is a podcast, they've uh, got the it, internet. 
They yeah, can see it. It's it's a great it's a great classic Chicago timber frame building. You know, built in the 1880s. It's just a gorgeous like old industrial space. So we we really wanted it, and uh, the landlord was really amenable to negotiations. So that fell together pretty good. In the in the tap room, you know, we we used <coughs> excuse me, we used probably. Uh, 80% of our budget on the brewing side, on the equipment and making sure the floors are right and get everything done proper over there. You know, probably 20% of our budget went on the on the taproom side, and 90% of that was work that me and Kevin and uh, one of our employees did. So, uh, you know, we 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 cleaned it up, we sandblast, we we had somebody sandblast. That would have been cool to sandblast, but. Um, we Good had somebody sandblast. I want to like sandblast my face off accidentally. <laughs> so we had somebody sandblast it. We cleaned it up. Um, Kevin and I built the bar. Kevin and I and, and our guy Miguel built the bar. And um, built the cooler, built the draft system, built the back bar, installed yeah. the sinks and the plumbing. Like, I mean, we pretty much anything on the taproom side of the wall, we mostly self performed. The electric was put in place right. by the contractor. That you didn't have to legally have like a contractor do basically. Or. <laughs> what? Wait, yeah, what? we don't know about that. Um, yeah, Let's no, that get started about no evidence. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good story. Um, oh but God, you, what is, what you know is, what? What's that? What you does get, that mean? You get what you pay for. Okay. With contracts. I don't know what I've that learned. means, but yeah. if you would rather omit that story, that is fine. Do you have a dump button? <laughs> no, we don't need <laughs> dump buttons. <laughs> it's a podcast. No dump buttons. Yeah. So it all fell together. I mean, the the, the bar's kind of old. So like it's kind of like a classic look bar to me. You know, it is. It is classic Chicago. It's we not, it doesn't have like uh, sheet metal on the front no. or like you know the weird no, we, concrete it's tops. Old. There's nothing uh, fancy pantsy. It's old school. We love again. We love hanging out in old Chicago bars, and we have together for decades. So it's it's red oak Chicago classic. The bar rail is a special type of molding that's called Chicago bar rail. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're like, we need to put this in. Um, so we really wanted that feel. I mean, it, you know, the rest of the bar feels more brick and industrial, but the bar itself, the actual wooden bar that we built, we wanted that old school Chicago feel. It's a pretty sizable bar, isn't it? I mean, comparatively speaking to most of the tap rooms you guys would put yourselves next to, I mean... It's a, it's a big bar. Yeah, it's yeah, long. man. We got two thousand square feet. Yeah, yeah we got to put something in here. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, we had to fill it up. Yeah, it's probably you know it's it's long, but it's got a little bump out U section. I think it's something like forty seats total, including that U section. So it's a good sized bar. It's a, it's a, it's an impressive space when you walk in there. I, I mean, I don't know what you guys saw when you walked into a bunch of pallets and stuff, but what I saw just now walking in, it's just very cool, very big. It it feels expansive due to the ceilings and the way it's set up and. You got awesome. these nice, you know, old school picnic table type feel to the to the seating, and then the bar, like you said, awesome old school bar. You know, yeah, yeah it kind of captures, like you said, combines what a new brewery tap room feels like with old school Chicago dive bar. You know, right? Yeah, right on. Right on exactly. Good, I got you it. Got I it. Got it. Yes, you got it. So you get you get you get your contracting out of the way. You got this sh- shit set up. You got all this beautiful stainless in the back. Now what? Now it's like, how many beers are we making? When yeah. are we opening? Like, yeah. with the timeline. Yeah. What do we What do we start with? And how do we start? And what's wholesale mean versus retail? 
yeah, Kevin's saying yeah, so I want to let him get yeah, in. Yeah, I'm here. saying yeah a lot. <laughs> no, I'll, I, I want to I want to keep stop babbling and let you get in and say your we, thought. We um, we finished the brewing side off uh, in September of 2016. So we started brewing September of 2016. We hadn't done anything on the taproom side. So uh, you know, for the for the five years that we were working business plan, investors, real estate, etc., we were kind of perfecting a handful of recipes. So. We had maybe six that we felt were 100% dialed in, and another three to four in the stable that we knew we were going to uh, get to after we had the first batch done. Um, Uh-oh. Somebody, I, to- I told you those guys were going to get excited. Big, oh, yeah, hopefully that, no glass broker. No, that, that's our neighbors. They get wound up, so they that's like cool. They times. sound like a good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we knew we knew what we were going to start with, uh, and obviously scaling recipes on a new system—you never quite know how it's going to go. So we we picked our lowest ABV beer, um, you know, essentially least amount of ingredients. Um, and I haven't said this publicly before, but enough time has passed. We screwed up the recipe. Oh, truth comes out. Um, and we we made a mid we made a mid brew day save, uh, and we turned a blonde ale into a dry hot pale ale. <laughs> And that pale <laughs> ale is our taproom bestseller to this date. Yeah. What, so, what's that one called? Uh, that's called Position Zero. Uh, so the name Position Zero. So in, in programming terminology, you start some programming languages start counting their array counters at zero instead of at one. So you count at zero. So given it was our first recipe that we were brewing, it was you know the zeroth position, Position Zero. All good. Like All that. good engineers and mathematicians count with zero. They start with zero. I love that. that, that that's a cool. I mean, that's a cool name for it. So so how do you how, how like how do you brew day save like what yeah what, what's the actual ha- and, and, happening and, and keep in mind this was the first brew ever so we're like oh shit so this what's is the first on? brew and this brew eventually is going to end up in kegs distributed to some local right. bars right exactly right. If ta- the tap room wasn't like you open said, right tap room isn't been yep. touched and we're yet. you know we're we're ready to dump it we would dump it if we have to you know because that's what that's what you every good do. brewer has dumped a lot of beer exactly <laughs> that's what you have to do. Um, and uh, yeah, Kevin so I mean, story. I just I, I had miss uh, uh, miss weighed out some malts, put in an extra bag or two, like accidentally. I was just kind of nervous. We were brewing on the new system for the first time. Um, once I realized it was already in the grain hopper, there was no way to get it out. Um, so we we were doing the blonde ale. It was a dry hop blonde ale, but it was like you know four point eight percent. We threw in too much malt. We quickly did the calculations and figured out we were going to end up like six and a half percent. So what do we do? Okay, we can add more hops to kind of keep that um, bitterness to gravity right. ratio kind of intact. Right, because you get too much grain, you're going to get too much sweetness in the beer. Right, so you got to balance that. All beers balanced by sweetness and bitterness. So this this semi-delicate blonde ale all of a sudden got a huge slug of grain right so we're like okay well if we if we balance out with more hops that's great that's going to kind of fix that mistake but then it's not really a, an easy drinking blonde ale so what is it okay well we're kind of at that point talking about a pale ale we're adding more hops um, we're going to dry hop it we can throw a little heftier dry hop addition in um, and it worked and you know we were nervous but you know tasting it through <laughs> fermentation um figuring out okay how are we going to position this in the market because dave's ultimately going to have to sell it in a couple of weeks um and it worked and it was great and you know that batch sold well and yeah. we've we've rebrewed it more than any other batch and you know i'll say it's our only hoppy beer 
we don't brew like IPAs. It's the only pale ale we brew. Um, we brew Belgians and multi-type beers. So it's like an anomaly for us, but people love hoppy beer. So it's nice that we always have one on in the tap room. We both like drinking it. Um, it's, uh, it's smooth, it's pretty easy to use. We use crystal hops, so it's just got that nice kind of classic American, slightly citrusy. You're just making me want to drink one now. That's yeah. all you're doing. I've got, we've got one back there if you want one. <laughs> no, keep going. I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. interrupt you. Um, I don't inter- I'm just saying, like, it's, you're doing a good job of uh, making me want one of oh, these. Right? Oh, it's perfect. a great beer. I mean, we, we, really, we really enjoy it. I, and, and so to this day, I'm kind of happy, and we've never gone back to that blonde recipe. Blonde yeah, ale recipe, it. and we've oh, never, really? we've, we've never, never, done it. never tried to brew I mean, that, a blonde. That's ale. Kind of we don't want to jinx that shit, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> funny though. So at this point, at this point, we're probably not going back into blonde ale territory. No, we're just sticking. Away. Yeah. So um, position so zero is good enough. Fortuitous, fortuitous accident. And, um, and a funny, funny story about the the last keg, and I, and I'll say this because I've talked uh, about it with Pat Berger from Kaiser Tiger. Funny story about that last keg. No, first batch ever. Last keg from the first batch. We didn't know if it was going to work out or not. Didn't know if, you know, we, we, we thought it was good, but is anybody else going to think it's good? Is it going to sell? Blah, 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 whatever. Um, Pat Berger was one of the, uh, Kaiser Tiger was one of the first places that picked us up and were really good to us and are still super, uh, super good to us. And, um, and he, he grabbed, I don't know, a couple of six dolls and they had some staff change. And they got lost in their cooler. Their cooler is huge. And they literally got lost in their cooler. And I think, I think he pulled it out and he texts me one day and he, and he, he says, hey, is this, is, this beer, is this beer any good still? And I was like, man, I think we kegged that like eight, ten months ago. Oh, wow. So I said, honestly, put it on, try it, see what you think. And then we had another batch that we had just done, and I took some samples over there. And I was like, let me know when you've got it on. He's like, all right, we got it on. Come check it out. Ran down there. He thought it was great. I'm like, here's a fresh batch. He's like, that's great, too. And uh, Did you notice differences? Or did oh, you yeah. Know? It was totally oh, different. Right, okay. You know? Or not totally different, but it was definitely different because it's dry hop beer. Right. So you lost, all that hop falls out, right? You lost mm-hmm. a little bit of the dry hop aspect, but... Uh, you know the maltiness came through really nicely, and the bitterness was still is still there, present enough, and uh, it's all great. Oh, wow! That's, so, a, that's again. It, this, that's kind of crazy. This specific beer seems to house a lot of happy accidents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a, it's a, cursed in a good way, almost. Yeah. So you get you get you got that out of the way. So now your distro. Um, one thing I was interested in, uh, just listening to you guys tell the last couple of the stories that you were telling. How did you kind of delineate, like when you when you got to that point of of uh, getting ready to brew the first time? It's like, how did you reach that point, Dave? Where it's like, okay, you're gonna brew, Kevin. I'm gonna do this. I'm distro thing. Like, it was that. A, 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 I mean, because it sounded like the homebrew stuff. You guys were always brewing together, and then it sounded like when did you decide? Like, I'm the brewer. You're this. I mean, did you have to make a concession, or like, did you just say like, eh, this works better? You know, I, I think it was it was just sort of a natural thing, um, and as as you get to know me and Kevin, you'll find out that Kevin is much better with details, and I'm much better with shooting my mouth off and <laughs> getting to know people and you know selling beer. Yeah, um, yeah. If if you had seen us, you know, ten years ago in the garage on a brew day when 
uh, you know, Dave and Andy and I were, 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 were doing our thing and 15 people were showing up. I was kind of the guy running around taking gravity readings, uh, setting the timer on the boil, um, you know, adding the hop additions, weighing everything out. Um, Andy was always the guy that like the weeks leading up to brew day was like tweaking the equipment and building new equipment right. and, and buying new random shit online. And Dave was the guy, <laughs> Dave was the guy like corralling everybody and like, Hey, here's this great beer that so-and-so bought. Like, Party why don't planner. you try, try a sample of this and like, kind of like interacting with everybody and kind of being the MC. So like, there was like this natural feeling for a long time. That we all kind of played our roles. We did one one uh, of those brew days. We did a uh, we we smoked. I want to say like three racks of ribs and did a ten year BCS vertical. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, we had Whoa. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, they were they were big parties in the garage while we were trying to brew. Yeah. <laughs> and ten, then and then ten we got year vertical man. Yeah. Ten year vertical of any beer. <laughs> To yeah, get that was that. pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, we used to have a, a lot of good times with, with that stuff in the garage. So, you know, at, at a certain point as we were doing the business planning, um, I, I, I enrolled for Siebel, which is uh, the Brewing Institute here in Chicago, um, to do their full course. Dave had taken some of the shorter courses, but we said, you know, one of us has to really focus on this. Um, so that kind of set the path. Like at that juncture, there was a bit more of a, uh, of a bifurcation. Um, for me to go through brewing school, and then I interned at Five Rabbit for a while. Um, they were great. The team at Five Rabbit's awesome. I learned a ton, just hands-on internship there. Um, and then gotta, stepping back, Dave and I had both yeah, done. Yeah, we got to mention Metropolitan. Yeah, too. volunteer work at Metropolitan, um, and those guys were great. They helped us with our business plan. Um, yeah, it was any questions we every, had. They were and awesome. Everything, you know, hands-on experience. Um, Packaging, hands-on experience, brewing, uh, going through books, you know, just giving our giving our plan a bullshit test. Yeah, yeah they were so, they were fantastic. You know, Doug and Tracy are awesome. Um, you know, and, and I think you know quite a few local startup breweries have have mm-hmm. all gone through at least some internship at Metropolitan. Alarmus has a background there. I was gonna say I've gotten a few stories yeah. on Metro. Yeah, the uh, corridor the off, from Alarmus. Off color, those dudes yeah. Uh, yeah. went through Metro. So like, Dovetail. there's like a nice little like stable of folks that uh, that that they've really um, helped out and, and and they've done a lot for the brewing community just through that. You know. Yeah, I've heard that story about Metro. I've heard it about Pipeworks. I mean, yep. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's such a great community in general to be a part of. Yeah, and, and we're trying to do it now. I've had uh, two interns now, um, uh, both trying to start their own breweries, and, and, and I'll uh, pimp them out a little bit. Um, Tyler, I like the use of the word pimp them out. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ty- Tyler Jackson is working on uh, Present Tense Ales, which is all like English cask style ales. That's cool. Um, so he's working on funding and finding a small space to sublet um, and kind of work his magic on the world. Really good, subtle beers, like really well done. Um, and then we're working with Steve Marchese right now, and he's working on uh, a startup in Englewood called Englewood Brews. Uh, and they're hopefully breaking ground in the next couple of months. Uh, down on 63rd and Halstead, so uh, so we're trying to give back too, you know. Does he have anything that he focuses on? Like you know, you're talking English cask, you know. No, he's not quite as focused. He's just um, trying them all. Yeah, he's got um, uh, like a Pilsner, Schwartz beer uh, that I've had. Uh, they do a um, uh, what do I want to call it. Um, yeah, I'm blanking right now, but you know, he's kind of <laughs> he's kind of all, all around like a number of different styles, and uh, again, good clean beers, just trying to, to produce beers for for the masses. So, 
Were there thoughts going into this? Was there was there uh, intentional thoughts going into the the, uh, the non hoppy thing? It's just that's what you guys liked. So yeah. you didn't want to do hoppy beers. Yeah, it's it's what we liked. We we homebrewed a few IPAs. They were never great, um, but mostly you know we we did have a discussion at one point like we should like the market needs xyz and, and ultimately we got talked out of that we had met it with yeah. the distributor early on we we we, we actually uh met and i've, I've uh, i'll say dave kale's name because I've, I've laughed with this laughed about this with him a number of times every time almost every time i bump into him but uh so he he's uh, he's a master cicerone and he's with uh breakthrough what's now breakthrough beverage which was works at the time and uh, and he was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to try your beer, um, give me some feedback. Um, and we're like, okay, cool. So we brought some of our, our beers into him, and he tried them. He was kind of like, oh yeah, this, you know, okay, this is beer, you know, okay, awesome. What do you guys drink? And we're like, well, you know, what came around to was, you know, we're kind of Belgian multi malt forward guys. He's like, why are you brewing these beers? I'm like, well, you know, we're trying to balance what we want with the market. He's like, no. He's like, no. Brew what you guys want to brew. Brew what you want to drink. And it was like a, 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 a shot in the arm, a shot in the arm that we needed. And it really helped. And I think we wrestled with it a little bit. but it Because, it, you know, we're kind of going on a limb with, um, at least at the time, you know, there weren't a lot of Chicago breweries, particularly doing Belgian-style beers. And this was probably, I don't know when this was, but it's probably... Probably four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. And um, so, you know, and that is and that is what Kevin and I used to always drink, and that is what exactly what we drink right now is, is Belgian styles and multi-style beers. And we're like, all right, well, if we're going to put shit out there, I want to be proud of it and get nuts about making sure the quality is is spot on then it's got to be what we love drinking yeah. yeah so it's clear you have to have the passion and, and and i think that's coming out now i mean i think with the beers that we've been releasing this year we did a whole variety of saisons um and it's just because we're so passionate about brewing that type of beer i'm passionate about using that kind of yeast getting the the, the yeast flavors out of it balancing that against the malts, balancing that against the hops or any of the adjunct flavors that we're using. Um, and I think if you were, if we were to try to do what we were thinking way back five, six years ago, like, oh, the market needs X, Y, Z, we wouldn't have had the passion to pursue that, no. to bring the creativity to the new recipe design. Um, so I think, I think it was obviously the very right thing for him to say to us and for us to take the heart. Um, and we're having such a great time doing what we're doing now because we really listened to that. Um, and, you know, I will say, like, like you know, we mentioned uh, Five Rabbit, Metropolitan. Like, those are not IPA brewers. Now, you right, know, Five right, Rabbit right, does right, have right. Ironica IPA now, which is actually a really good IPA. Um, but for the most part, you know, they're doing, they're doing their own vision. Metro's doing yeah. their own vision. And, like, seeing those guys do what they do, uh, guys and ladies, um, really helped us say, yeah, we can do that, too. We can yeah. just build our own road and just follow it. And that's something I heard heard about you guys coming in is that like you know you stick to a style that you're passionate about. It's not uh, you know anything against any other styles. It's just that that's what you guys love. So exactly. I, and I knew when I walked in and I looked at the menu, it's like 
you guys have color coding and like you know this is a belgian these green ones or whatever are belgian right. and, uh, you know, I, I loved how the menu broke down but there's still it's not like there's not something for everybody you know i mean as we talked about being subjective and, and not uh shitting on certain styles or flavors or anything because palettes are different everywhere and you get different flavors and people love different things yeah and you know everybody has personal preferences for styles and frankly personal preferences for styles changes with seasons right you know we're uh today is 420 and tomorrow we're going to release our barrel aged imperial stout and um you know it's starting to warm up but you know it'll sell through it doesn't matter now the market will sell that damn Russian Imperial Stout if it's barrel aged no matter what. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> well, not you know, that it's not going to be a great beer. Don't get me wrong. It's probably a great beer. But you definitely see, you know, and 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 actually, Joe, you and I talked before before we got all uh, wired up. Um, drinkers in the tap room are a little bit different than buyers at the re- in the in the uh, the our whole what I call wholesale market, where when when people come here, you know, they they kind of expect to see a lot of different styles of beer, a lot of different options. You know, we can't, we can't have 75% malt forward, be- uh, sorry, well, 75% anything forward beers. We can't have 75% uh, hot forward beers um, because that's not, I think that's not interesting to Chicago palates, particularly when they come to the source. Um, so then what happens is particularly, probably less so in, in the tap room, but definitely more so with our wholesale buyers, the bars and, re- and restaurants we sell to is, you know, they definitely will show a different, um, they'll follow season a little more closely, you know, whether it's, you know, not buying dark, dark, heavier beers in the, in the summertime and wanting something a little bit lighter and fruitier and or sour and, uh, uh, for the summertime. So now you guys, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump jump through the story part of this, but I'm interested. The the barrel age you're doing tomorrow, right? So are you guys yeah. bottle? Did you guys bottle that or anything? Or yeah, yeah you we guys did bottle. We it. did like 26 cases of bombers. You so anticipate that being gone by tomorrow? Yes, I would love that. <laughs> no, you got you got to get your podcast out. That's tonight. what I'm saying. Can like, you get that exactly out? Exactly where I was pushing. So that we I'm, can like, I'm like, oh man, uh, that sucks. I wish I could, you know had a couple of days to get it, but I'm like, maybe it'll still be here, so people will know it's there. Yeah, but. no, I, we, we're not anticipating selling out. I mean, we would love to, but but for the most part, in the year and a half that we've been brewing and selling beer, um, we're trying to cultivate a wide base. We're not trying to cultivate a narrow base of, of, of the beer nerds or the beer collectors. And they're great, and we've been those people in the past, and we have friends oh, yeah. who, who are got, that way. I've got a shit ton of beer in our in our chiller room right now <laughs> that still has dust on it. From, from whales? An old beer yeah. collector, yeah. That's how we could do a 10-year vertical of BCS. I, I think say, I, how, I filled in two bottles, but Dave had the other eight. So so, so uh, we have that DNA, yeah. but you know we but, also want to make something available for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to cultivate kind of a, a very broad uh, folks that appreciate it. And we get a lot of people in the tap room that are kind of craft curious. Um, so so we're trying to play to that kind of audience maybe more than, than the beer nerd or the whale collector. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, we're doing a beer lease tomorrow. It'd be great if people came out for the, for the Barrel Age Imperial Stout. But, like, that's not the DNA that we've cultivated here. Um, so we don't know if, if it's going to happen or not. You know, it's, it's kind of the first time we've tried to do a release. Uh, in the past, last year when we did Far North Declaration, that's the barrel aged stout. We just put it on the shelf, 
and we put it on draft and maybe put an Instagram post, but we didn't really do much about yeah, hyping yeah, it. Yeah, right. Um, you so, you know, it? we're trying different things. Well, yeah, I want to try it. Come on. <laughs> what, what kind of question is that? That's a ridiculous question. That gives me an opportunity no, to, to go hey, that's uh, fine. Use, use the facilities, too. All right. All right. So Dave, Dave's going to run and, and get, get some beer for Joe. Fill me um, up with a delicious barrel-aged stout. And that'll give me an opportunity to talk about the beer. Yeah, please. Um, so we love this beer. So so the base beer that, that we brew, the Imperial Stout, um, it's called Public Declaration. It's one of our homebrew recipes that probably goes back eight or nine years um, with only a small amount of tweaks to the grain bill uh, has arrived at the current scaled version. Um, so the base beer, Public Declaration, about eight and a half percent. We use about 100 pounds of malt uh, per barrel. Um, and it's hopped pretty well. It's hopped up to about 55 IBUs. So it's, you know, it's in that not quite really heavy American hopping rates for like the American Imperial Stouts, but it's getting pretty close to that when you drink the base beer. What hops are you using in there? Uh, it's a mixture of Willamette and East Kent Goldings uh, for kind of our finishing hops. And then uh, the bittering is Magnum. Um, so pretty traditional for kind of what you would think of like uh, uh, from a, a traditional Russian imperial stout that like an English brewer would brew using those types of you know hops. Um, we age it in um, barrels, uh, 15 gallon barrels from a distillery called Far North Spirits. Uh, it actually happens that uh, the owner of Far North is Dave's cousin. Uh, he so, mentioned that before the podcast. Yeah, so, so it's up in Minnesota, right? In Minnesota. They're so shout out to them. Yeah, they're great. Um, they're 15 miles south of the uh, Canadian border, hence the far north. Um, and they they are a, a farm-to-glass distillery. So they, they farm the grains that they distill and then age into their whiskey. So the barrels we get from them are their Rocknar rye whiskey. Rocknar. Yeah. Nice. Um, it's a really nice whiskey. It's actually distributed in Chicago as well. Um, they use, uh, uh, I don't know if it's exactly an heirloom variety of rye or just like a special uh, cultivar uh, called AC Hazlitt. Um, and it, to me, it's got like a sweeter, kind of softer, rounder flavor, the rye does, than your typical spicy rye. So that comes through in their whiskey. Their whiskey tends to be a little bit more uh, like a bourbon than a rye whiskey to me. Okay. Um, so the barrels consequently have that sweeter flavor as well. So we like what that does to the beer. Um, so we put this fairly big, um, chocolatey, roasty, somewhat bitter imperial stout in, and it comes out very rounded, very sweet, um, notes of like graham cracker, marshmallow, toasted coconut, uh, a little bit of cinnamon, cause there is still a little bit of that kind of rye spiciness. It kind of comes across to me as cinnamon, uh, maybe like Manhattan soaked cherries, you know, those are kind of okay. all the flavors. So when Dave and I we did about 16 uh, of these 15 gallon barrels um we taste every barrel and then blend them together obviously figure out the blend we want so we use 12 out of the 16. um and we taste everyone and looking at the notes on the tasting you know it's just interesting how every barrel evolves differently um you know it's the same batch of whiskey the same cooper that they get the oak from um, the same batch of Imperial Stout that we put in it, but every barrel comes out tasting different, you know, so it's fun, you know, and then we blend them back, figure out the best blend, and that's what we release as Far North Declaration. I'm always interested in how they how they work that, you know, how, how the blending process goes, you know. I would always picture scientifically, are you, like, going really deep and measuring every, like, last milliliter, of it, or is it just like, oh, let's add a little more of this? It's, um, it's all 
subjective. It's all subjective. So it's all, we taste, we make notes. This year, Dave and I did alone because we, we were running out of time and we couldn't get, we have a couple of friends that have really good palates, uh, but we couldn't get them down in time when we wanted to do the blend. So Dave and I did it ourselves. But it's nice to have a couple extra folks because the way the brain works with what you taste and what you perceive, it's hard sometimes to put words to it. So it's sometimes good to hear Dave say cinnamon. I'm like, oh, that's what I was thinking was like rye spice. Okay, now when you say cinnamon, that's the flavor that I think of as rye spiciness. Okay. So then you right. can kind of get this panel where you're now all kind of syncing up your vocabulary and getting on the same page. Um, so we like doing that. But like I say, this year is just Dave and I. Were you, were, you, were you talking about how difficult it is to get that thing in your brain of what you experienced to actually come out? Come in out word? in words. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so yeah, delicious. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 got it's got whiskey. It tastes like you taste it. Yeah. Oh, the, this is the bottle yeah, you're selling. Okay, Far North Declaration. That's yours. That's yours to go. Oh, thank you. I got. Yeah, I got a guy. I got a hookup. You know, you know somebody? Limited release. I got a hookup right. for that. You just you just distroed. That's all. You just <laughs> yeah, distributing exactly. it to me. Always selling. <laughs> My God, well, is, is this is this adjunct in any sort of way? I'm throwing up air quotes. No, like, no, it's not. You know, no coffee, no blueberry, nothing like but that. But I it's taste coffee. Purely, right? Is that okay mm-hmm. that I taste coffee in it? I always think Absolutely. my palate sucks. Mm-hmm. No, so no, I don't like. Yeah. I, I tell, coffee notes. I tell people right. when I give tours all the time. The reason you you taste coffee notes is the the roasted malts. The roasting process is very similar to roasting coffee. So you're taking a plant material. You're roasting at a high temperature. You're creating some of the char flavors, that roasty note. It's happening in the coffee bean. It's happening in the roasted malt. So consequently, it's okay to taste coffee and beer even when there's not, especially in a big stout like this. Mm -hmm. We use four different roasted malts, a blend of four different roasted malts in the base beer. So there's a lot of those overtones going on. And there's nothing, there's nothing off about this beer. I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting in front of you. Like, oh, it, it's 10 percent. So okay, so it's not like the 14 percent. Like, no, it's no. not karate the kick to the mouth. And we, we, when, when we were working on this recipe, we we had, um, we had this thing that we were going for the the base beer. We knew what we wanted to get out of it, and we had the the base imperial stout. Um, Higher in alcohol, more grain, lower in alcohol, less grain, every permutation until we finally were able to get it dialed in to something that was, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit spicy, a little bit moody, um, you know, some, some flavors of, you know, some chocolate notes, some chocolate covered cherry notes, some pit fruit. So, um, you know, I, I think getting the, obviously getting the base beer dialed in right is critical but then also considering the barrel and what the barrel does as an ingredient um, is also important. So, uh, so the base beer I think is I think came out about eight and a half percent. Yeah. And then, um, and then we, and then uh, you know, so and then the barrel, the beer picks up a little bit of booze in the barrel, and just general um, um, the angel share condenses the beer a little bit as well. The podcast host also picks up a little bit of the barrel and the bourbon as well. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. See, my cool, problem man. is sometimes with this, like with, with beers like these, um, when they're a little bit lower in alcohol, comparatively speaking to some of those bigger barrel age releases, you know, is sometimes I like the flavor, I like the smoothness of it, and then I and then there's no, but there's no mouth. Like uh, it, right. and this, this has plenty of body to it, which I'm really liking the fact that it actually, I can almost not. It's not like chewing, you know. It's not like the big pastry style, but it falls right there where it's got some beef to it. Yeah, there's some viscousness to it for sure. Yep. And the the 
you know, I, I mentioned, um, you know, when we were prototyping and taking the alcohol up and down and around and around, and, you know, like the barrels, we look at the alcohol as an ingredient as well. You know, you need the, you need the alcohol content to help cut through a lot of that stickiness, or else it would be like jamming a Snickers bar in your mouth. Yeah, you got to have a little booze. Which is not bad, especially on 420, but, <laughs> you know, you don't always want to do that coming out of a bottle. Yes. So so the alcohol helps sort of cut through that richness, that thickness. Um, but, you know, we don't want it a boozy, a great big boozy high alcohol beer, because that doesn't really make sense to, you know, our, our position, if you will. And the other thing I'm picking up off of it that I, I sometimes have issues with is, is carbonation levels. I like a little more carb. Like, this is carbed. Like I can, yeah. I get, like, a good feeling off of it in the mouth. So We uh, we learned from last year. We kind of, oh, let's put it at the traditional kind of Russian Imperial Star car- carbonation level, which is pretty low by, like, kind of traditional standards. And we did that last year, released it, but we didn't love it that way. So this year... We, we ratchet it up a little bit. It's not aggressively carbonated, but it comes right. through, whereas a lot of times you open up a big barrel-aged stout and you get almost no fizz. Yes. Um, so we get goes. a little bit, you get a little head coming out of the bottle or out of the draft system. Um, so we like it that way too. So It's beautifully done. I, I, I hate this conversation while I'm tasting one of your beers because people are probably like, well, you're sitting in front of them. You're going to tell them it's good, right? You're never <laughs> going to say anything bad. Right. But it, seriously, it's a really good God beer. Goddamn, dude. Know. This beer is horrible. <laughs> But you're right, though. You talked about like that roast, that the marshmallow, the toasted coconut. Like they're they're there, you know. Yeah. And it's not like you jacked it full of toasted coconut and you no. jacked it full of you know marshmallows you were roasting in the back, you know. It's just bringing out those flavors naturally is always really impressive to me. Yeah, and and that's kind of our philosophy with a lot of the beers. Like we're we're looking for that kind of like drinkability and balance through the natural process, even when we do beers with adjunct flavoring so we have like a cucumber pink peppercorn saison on right now and we're not trying to say it again cucumber pink peppercorn saison okay all right um we're not trying to hit you over the head and say here's a thousand pounds of cucumber and this is all you're going to taste we still need to balance that with what the yeast is doing and what the peppercorn's adding um so we're always trying to make things subtle enough that you notice the flavors there but we're not trying to hit you over the head with a hammer of it so in any of our beers we're, that's just kind of our philosophy right it feels like it tasting through like what i've had so far with the i had the sour strawberry kiwi and i started with the what was the rye that i had the rye saison raster, raster yeah, rye saison yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just beautifully like like you guys t- used the word balance a couple of times you know it's something that i feel like people get forget maybe i don't know it's just yeah yeah well i i, I mean per, personally what it, the, the, the kind of beer that i love drinking is the kind of beer that you can throw back several at a time or you can slow down and go oh wow i'm getting this note i'm getting that note this is really delicious you can actually stop and pick it apart if you want or you can get down and pound them back yeah if we start making what i would call novelty beers with the ingredients that are so strong and present they hit you over the head that you have it you're like i'm glad i tasted that but i don't want to have another if we start <laughs> making a beer like that then we know we failed because that's not what we, it's just head. not for you guys. no we want and don't get me wrong i love some of those beers i love some they're of those interesting. pastry stouts yeah. and, you know, well, that kind of thing and I, and i think those beers i think those beers are the ones that push everybody else you know those are the pe- folks that are that are doing weird wacky stuff um that i that you know may sometimes are hits sometimes are less hits 
but you know we want to make something that you know is always going to be a great um, a great exceedingly well balanced beer whether it's 10% uh, barrel aged imperial stout or a 4% strawberry Berliner Weiss now what draws you guys towards like the Sassan like that, that Belgian flavor like what, what is it about it yeah you know part of it was, was, was like I said kind of cutting our teeth at, at places like the map room and having uh, or, or uh, hop leaf having that experience where those, those folks had always brought in those kind of beers uh, and learning about that way. And then for me personally, again, that first Saison uh, homebrew recipe we did um, was an eye-opener for me. Like, wow, the yeast really contributed to this beer. Like, before I was like, well, of course you need yeast to make beer, right? It makes the alcohol. But I didn't realize all the flavor that came out of the yeast. Even drinking Saisons and Belgian beers in my past before I became a homebrewer, I didn't realize it was so much of that flavor was coming from the yeast. So once I started homebrewing with Dave, I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, it's amazing that you can get all this extra stuff in addition to the malt component, in addition to the hop component. So for me, that was eye-opening. I've had like good grain talks with people. I've had great hop talks with people, but I had my first really good like yeast talk with uh, Brian Buckman the other night at, at Illuminated. Oh yeah, and that he They're really like dudes. opened my eyes with the with the, the the yeast thing. I mean, I, I guess people don't maybe uh, from the outside if you're not home brewing, if you're not you know really into the world, and you're just drinking craft beer a lot. Like you don't get how important it is, and I've yeah. had guys oh, tell God. me uh, that David Files is over at Energy City of, in Batavia. He's a really small operation. He does like a release once a month. That's it. He doesn't have a tap room, nothing like that. He doesn't distribute other than a very few small bars. He's scaling up a little bit. But he's just a brilliant guy, and and he was the 14th episode I did, and he said something to me that Brian actually echoed the other night uh, at Illuminated saying like, you know, I don't make beer like the yeast makes the beer, you know, like yeah. that, kind of, that kind of thing, you know, that that's I'm building something for the yeast to eat We make, yeah, thing. we make a happy place yeah. for the for the yeast to be, to have a great party yeah. and, and move, in a, move in a certain direction that we hope that they will move but, you know, we don't make beer you know, the yeast makes beer so what do you guys? What goes into like the strand, or like what, do you have a house yeast that you prefer? Everything go, gets that yeast, or is that? We use uh, we use four strains right now. We use two different Belgian strains. Uh, 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 primary saison does most obviously all of our saisons, our wit beers, that kind of thing, uh, and then we use another strain for uh, our higher ABV Golden Strong, and then our quad. Um, and then we which have is, like which is all from Omega Yeast. We got to give a shout out geez, to Chicago. How yeah. great Omega they, Yeast must be! I think I think I think I need to do an Lance episode and the with crew. them. Yeah, yeah actually, absolutely. that'd be that's I a agree. great idea. I need some like brewers though to come talk the science with with me because I, I want to yeah, facilitate and drink, and drink. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> just drink yeast. Yeah, no big deal. No, but <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, I, they've come up so much yeah. Omega Yeast and just for the yeah. city, I guess you know, for the local, just to have that. It's it's been great having the the wealth of knowledge they have have um you know the local expertise and and you know frankly like local pickup so your your yeast isn't being flown across the country in a cold pack carton right Right. you like you know when you pick it up like it's been decanted that morning or the night before crazy so it's ready to go um it's ready to rock and you know you're getting a good fermentation every time you get a new pitch from them um 
So yeah, so they've been great. Um, so we use the two Belgian strains. We use an American ale strain for like kind of the malty beers, the the, the uh, pale ale, that kind of thing. And then we have a lager strain. We do uh, a Pilsner. Uh, and then right now we have in one of the fermenters, we have a, uh, a steam beer, uh, like a California Common. Oh, you so said, that's what steam. does that mean? You said uh, steam beer. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Anchor's coming after me for yes. trademark infringement Oh, right yeah, now. yeah. They defend that um, vigorously. You know, it's uh, we, we kind of call it, uh, you know, if people don't know what a California Common is, it's like a malty um, lager. Um, slightly uh, hop forward, so we have, we have a nice kind of piney hoppiness to it. Um, the, the, the malt resiny. bill is a real nice, light, nutty, sort of a hazel nuttiness to it yeah. with the piney hops that Kevin mentioned. And it's, it's, and a lot of people have no idea what the hell that style is, and it goes really well. People, people love it, and, and in fact, I think half of our staff is really jacked about it coming back on. So. Yeah, exactly. So, what makes it that style what's the steam where's the steam piece come yeah, from yeah the the history of that style was uh it was brewed in san francisco um they would brew it and they would let it uh cool overnight in cool ships so cool ships are becoming the cool thing now with the I new saw brewers dovetails. Uh, I saw yeah dovetails got one winers yeah. got one and, leave and the window open let that debris come on in <laughs> yeah, well, you know, let, let the good tracks. let the good bugs go to work, right? And and so in in San Francisco, it would they, they would let it cool with that cold Bay Air that was coming across, um, and of course it would steam because it was hot. So that was kind of where the where the name came oh, from. Okay. Um, and then they they were they were German immigrants, so they brought their lager yeast, but it wasn't quite cold enough in San Francisco. So they kind of call it like a hybrid lager because it fermented warmer than traditionally you would ferment a lager. Um, so it's kind of a style unto its own, originating in California, almost died out until uh, Fritz Maytag had bought out Anchor Steam in 1965, kind of revitalized it, and that's kind of the flagship, Anchor Steam is the flagship of that style. Most and, people they, and they've trademarked, that, right? and, they, and what, what we were laughing about when we started going down this path was they, they've trademarked the word steam, and they, and they yeah. So, so the the beer community, um, uh, the different uh, uh, organizations that that try to categorize things, which is not very Belgian. Um, they, you know, the idea is it's California Common. So, when I when I sell it, it's a category. It's California Common. People don't know. Well, it's a steam beer, but you know we can't Under talk the about table. it. We can't talk Under about it. As a steam. We can't label it as a steam beer. Can't talk about it as a steam beer. But keep it on the low. Right. Uh, so when is your uh, New England IPA coming? Your hazy, uh, <laughs> juicy, <laughs> double dry yeah. hopped. Uh, no plans no. yet, but uh, <laughs> we do. Dave and I do drink them. I mean, you know, we, we might yeah. not brew IPAs, but I, I go through a phase, you know, once twice a year where I, I want to drink a lot of IPAs for like three weeks, and, and I'll get my hops on. Um, and then I'll be done for a while. Um, the New England ones, though, both Dave and I have been drinking them kind of on the regular. Uh, and we like what, you know, folks in Chicago are doing. I mean, Mars is doing great work. I, I love Noon to whistle. hear you guys say that because, you know, some people want to fight and they want to say, you know, say, nope. You know, it's, it, they want to fight that style. I mean, I'm sure everybody's yeah. pretty much embraced it at this point. But, yeah. I, I mean, st- it, style, style, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I have a hard time with style. I, right. So I right. think styles are helpful um, to help you get a reference yes. point. If uh, I don't know if I'm backing away too far, no, but no, I got really quiet. Styles 
are a good reference point if you're not familiar with something. Like, oh, it's like here are some stylistic parameters that you can sort of wrap your head around. Like, oh, okay, thanks. Now I get what a steam beer is. Kevin just talked really well about what a steam beer is. Or, sorry, California Common. Yeah, but Dave. but But I feel like categories and styles is a very American thing. Um, whereas in Belgium and Northern France, they just brew beer. You know, they don't fucking talk about yeah. styles and the style parameters. And and I've been there. I've been to, fortunate enough to be to uh, go to Belgium a handful of times. And you don't talk about styles because they look at you like a goddamn American. Like what? It's beer. Enjoy it. Yes. So Try anyway. Them all. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think the second half of that conversation is like anything, beer or anything, has to evolve. And if it's not evolving, right. it's getting old and stagnant. And so the fact that people are using hops in a new way, interacting with the yeast and the biotransformation, like, I mean, that's pushing boundaries. It's freaking awesome. I love music. Yeah. Like, yeah. musically, I listen to shit that's way the fuck out there. I mean, Dave knows, like, uh, experimental noise, all sorts of stuff. Because I'm pushing boundaries with my ears. People should be doing that with beer, too. And with their brains, too. Yeah, yeah anyway, absolutely. That's a whole right? other podcast. <laughs> um, and so so we like, you know, and, and there's a lot of people in Chicago doing great work. Uh, and we, we like trying that. And it's given us ideas. Like, we're, we're starting to kind of get into dry hop saisons. And we're starting to use, like, those trendy uh, IPA, New England-style IPA hops, the mosaics and, and, and the cashmeres and stuff. Citra um, and Simcoe. And so we're using those in saisons, and we're making, like, hop-forward saisons. So that's, like, a new direction for us. And I think it's sort of a new direction for... Saison's kind of in, in at least Chicago, right? So um, like, I'm low, we're low res. We want to do our thing, but we also see what's going on. We wanna, we yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll show you. Like, we're going to do our version of yeah. that. Like, and, the, and, the, and these hops, you know, just because, you know, Kevin and I don't have any desire to, to brew double IPA doesn't mean that there aren't components of a double IPA that aren't exciting, yeah. you know? It's not that you, you don't like you, them. You know? Yeah, right, Exactly. And if you can use those flavors in a way that marries really well with with some some Belgian yeast esters and flavors that you know kind of tangles the whole fruitiness, where is a fruitiness from an ester or a flavor or a hop flavor or a yeast flavor? Yeah, yeah. That's when shit gets really. I'm getting all excited now. No, that, but I think that's, that's what's what really exciting. I've been waiting over an hour for you to get excited. Let's oh damn! <laughs> I can streak. <laughs> <laughs> right through your tap room on That's a Friday exciting. night. <laughs> People would not even bat an eye right now because they'd be like, it's 420. <laughs> it's <laughs> 420. It's low res. That's what happens. Shit's going down. Whatever. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's 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 we're evolving the way we think about beer because other people in our community and, and uh, around the world are evolving how they think about beer. And, and I think that's super healthy. And I think when you stop listening to what everyone else is doing and think that you have got it figured out... <laughs> you're kind of dead inside right and 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 that's not where we ever want to be so so it's good to take cues from people so we we won't necessarily brew a new england style ipa but like we're we're excited about what's happening what about a hazy saison i I mean i've had in my mind for a long time i already call it a hazon Oh, see? <laughs> and you know what? It's obvious, but so, I've never heard it. So it's, Nobody's ever said that wow. to me. It's, it's kind of the next step. Do we do a double dry hop saison, get some of that, that bio transformation going there, but on? But you also get the cloudy. Oh, 
Oh God! Look at that. I'm, I'm already oh, getting excited. Man. now. Yeah. No, it's 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 not a it's not necessarily where we're going to end up, but it's like in my mind, like something that we could try for sure. So, yeah. and, that, um, and that's the influence that you're that you're talking yeah. about that we're responding to, whether it's whether it's uh, forbidden root or moody tongue Ooh, that's really roots. pushing the elbow, uh, envelope, or whether it's a category a category that's really pushing the envelope that yeah. you know is is exciting. Whether or not we brew it or not, it's exciting and it impacts us in a, in a fun way. Yeah, when you, you talked about that, and I feel like the gist of what you were saying, if I wanted to distill it down, would be something that I, I kind of subscribe to, too, is like the style thing is, yeah, that's, that's like you said, guidelines or some things that you can take from style, but it's like at the end of the day, it's like, did you brew a good beer or a bad beer? Like. That's the style, right? Yeah. Good beer style, bad beer style. Are, are we <laughs> proud to put this on our menu? You know, yeah. yeah. And, and do we feel like we're adding to the conversation? And and you, uh, before I rudely jumped into your thought process, you you were kind of throwing some pedals at at guys like Mars and, and yeah, Mars and I, I was going to mention Noon Forbidden whistle. Root, Noon Noon Whistle. Our mm-hmm. good buddies up at uh, Old Irving are doing oh. some stuff. Tre- Trevor Trevor's a Really uh, good guy. Yeah, yeah Trevor and Andre, really all great him. guys. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's a lot going on in Chicago that, that we're paying attention to. Just because we're not brewing it doesn't mean we're not paying attention, for sure. Well, and I, and I think I, I, I think Chicago is a little bit unique, particularly from the coasts where um, – so this is one of the theories that Kevin's probably heard ad nauseum at this point. But I feel like Chicago has sort of its own unique culture, its own unique beer culture growing up because this is my own theory so it might be wrong but I'll still say it's right my theory is that Chicago was a food town before it was a beer town you know we were we were all about liquor and, and Bud Miller Coors for the longest time and then we had some incredible restaurants um, start to develop you know over the past decade or two at this point and then beer caught on so the reason I bring that up though is I feel like Chicagoans for a major metropolitan area are unique in the sense that they're used, they're accustomed to putting things in their mouth that's strange. <laughs> I don't know if I should make a joke right now. If it's just like, no, you don't, you don't, you know what going. I'm saying though? So, so I feel like Chicagoans are really open to they different test. styles. They test things. Yeah, you know, they're willing to try something different. You know, I don't know what the hell this this uh, you know, Belgian Golden Strong, what, what what the hell does that even mean? So but I'll, I'd love it, to try fuck one. It, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. I think that's a way to boil it down. Yeah. Fuck it, I'll do it. Yeah. Hold my beer. <laughs> it's, it's one of those <laughs> things. Hold my beer. No, like, I think you kind of touched on it. And, uh, I, and it, I think, sorry, sorry, just to. Uh, go ahead. This I, is about I told, you, not me. I warned, I warned you before we started the recording that I would probably go off on a rail a couple of times. And this is this is one of those moments where, just to sort of click my own thoughts together, I feel like the Chicago community is starting to um, um, embrace that in the sense that we're, we're doing unique, fun things that, are, that I believe are probably different uh particularly compared to the coasts um because we have this history of fantastic restaurants and culinary experiences that has drinkers that has people that are are willing to try new things and that allows us to experiment with new things as well i think i made my point i think you did and what, what i was 
drawing from what you were saying there as well was was connected to what we talked about before we started uh, when I met you at the bar, you know, before we started rolling or anything. And just talking about uh, my theory, my own little theory, you know, to add on to yours is like, I feel like a lot, I'm not saying every, but, but a large percentage of this, this market likes to taste through everything. Like they, they don't come, they don't, you know, they, they may come here and have that uh, raster, you know, that, that can be like, it's a dope ass Cezanne I just had, but they're like, oh, I had that last time. What else do they have? You know, yeah. Yeah. I think that lends itself to not being stagnant and not right. just like, well, these six beers are really good. Let's just keep brewing these six beers and then we'll add like one or two. Like that's why people still experiment. That's why people hold on to their old brew kettle and the, you know, like, mm, I want to learn. I want to do better, you know, yeah. and try new things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, last year when, so we, we had brewed, we had that kind of six to nine core recipes and we kind of brewed through those while we were doing distribution only building out the tap room. Um, and then we opened the tap room and we almost sold out of all of our beer. We went yeah, from 12 freaky. drafts on opening weekend to like three weeks later, we were down to four. That was whack. Okay, that's um, not bad. That's so not, it's oh, bad, God. but it's not bad. So <laughs> we, spent, worse. we spent most of the rest of 2017 just catching up and rebrewing and keeping the boards back full. And by the end of the year, we realized, hey, we got to do exactly what you were just talking about, Joe, is like introducing new stuff. We've now brewed some of these recipes, three, four batches. People love them. They're great recipes. We love drinking them. Everyone wants to drink it, but people want new experiences. Right. And so now we're definitely rolling out new stuff much more frequently. We're still bringing those old ones back, uh, but less frequently. If, if some of them fall off the boards for a while and come back a quarter later, two quarters later, that's that we're more okay with that than, than we were last year because we realize that's what the market wants. They want new. And then that gives us a chance to stretch our legs and have a lot of fun too. So, Yeah, it's a, it kind of works in the flow. Like you're doing what you have to do at that point in time. It's like, you know, you... One feed, one hand feeds this, you know. One one hand feeds the other type deal. You, you had to build something first to get people in, right? Yeah, and right. Then you did, and the six, these six hit. But they're not gonna want that six over and over again for the next four years. Right. I mean, not that they won't like them. Right. But they also, it's time. But but those six gave you capital and and the chance yeah. to buy different grains and try yep. new things and go to hop rubs and build do you a, know and build an audience build a brand get people to to better understand who low res is exactly like oh and you then, like that one well and, check this one out that we just did then. and and frankly that 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 burn down of the boards was probably a healthy thing for us yeah you know and um it was it was goddamn stressful at the time Real, reality check right <laughs> But, but yeah, it, be it easy, gave guys. us the opportunity to, to replenish that and then say, okay, what's next? What's next? What's fun for us? What do we think other people would be uh, would be fun and experiment a little bit? Uh, so I, I'm going to rewind a little bit because it's something that I was thinking about earlier. I just I just didn't want to interrupt you guys because you were telling great stories. But um, we talked about that point in time when you guys made this decision, like the time between garage brew and when then you finally for the last time said we should open a brewery and then you just started you know that that in between time you you mentioned looking for investors what what is that process like when you're looking <laughs> when you say quote unquote looking for investors are you calling like aunts and aunts and uncles like hey we're gonna like are you are, is there some pool of investors you can pull from like at a uh, from a bank like 
it's it's, it's a peek behind the curtain. I feel like for people that don't realize like what goes into that. Yeah. So um, so I think I think the easiest way to sort of tease that question apart is you first need to decide if if you want to uh, do. So what we did, and I, I think we talk about probably it's debit credit. So we we did. You know, we've got we've got founder we've got founder equity in which is me and Kevin. Um, we have uh, what turned out to be friends and family equity into the business, and then we have commercial debt, which is which is a fancy way of saying a bank loan. Um, and there are other ways to get um, equity into the company, cash based equity in the company. Um, Kevin, like Kevin and I said that we, you know, we came from a high tech startup background and back in the day, not too long ago, I knew a lot of people that would be willing to fund us, um, from a VC perspective, but that's not, that frankly is not appropriate for a brewery startup. VC for dummies, venture. Oh yeah. Sorry. Venture capital. And what VCs and VCs provide um, liquidity. VCs um, have a, 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 a an excellent point. Uh, uh, they provide a service to companies that are looking to start up, but they only um, they can only become whole. They can only become happy if they can get their investment out quickly. You will not get your investment out quickly from a brewery or a restaurant. Hell that will no. Not happen. So you need so so to sort of unwind that a little bit. You need investors that believe in you, believe in the long haul. They get the vision, and and frankly, what they're doing is they're investing in you. You know, they're investing in you. They're investing the the the, the prototype beers that you're making. And we we talked to a lot of different people. Um, we scoured a lot of uh, 100% of our personal networks as well as others, and the way it came shook out was we wound up um, taking, uh, you know, f- money from a fantastic group of about a dozen um, friends and family. Yeah. So, so no matter how many investment pitches we did to friend of a friend of a friend, um, right. no one that we didn't already have an immediate relationship with before going into it, put money into the business. So it was truly friends and family because like Dave says, they have to be in it for the long haul. There's no easy outs in a brewery. It's slow, you know, slow growth. It could even be meteoric growth in some cases, but I mean, it's- It's capital intensive. It's a long There's a lot of expensive, shiny shit in the back, you know? Yeah, there is, but it's beautiful. Right. (laughs) Um, So you need people that are gonna be willing to be in it for the long haul. So like Dave said, we lucked out with the group we got. They're super passionate about what we're doing um, and, and love coming in and, and, and talking business with us um, and not talking, where's my exit, where's my exit, when do I get my money right. back? Because that's that's a huge hamstring on a small business and uh, VCs, that's kind of their game. That's how they would be. So so you can't really go that route. Um, so it's it's a tight market. Like I think, uh, like I said, we, we talked to people that were like investment groups or part of investment groups. Because there are those as well, mm-hmm. um, but again, they're going to be more like, okay, I'm doing this to, to know what I get out of it, um, and it's just a lot harder to sell people on that. And and we were very we were very clear up front with everybody, and I think this probably um, turned off a lot of investment groups was that you know we're looking for 
equity shareholders that are silent partners. You know, th this is this. We know what we we see the vision. This is our vision that we plan on executing. And if you don't have your faith in us to execute that without your assistance, then it might not be the right investment. So I mean, I, I had I had to ask. I just I just haven't gotten into that side of things much. I mean, that that and it's you know. Most beer geeks probably don't want to hear about the financial and the money oh. and the investments, but it's always oh, yeah, something. Yeah. That a lot like, of beer you know, geeks that want to open a brewery. Do right. That's yeah. <laughs> you know what you, and you, you caught me. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's yeah. like there's probably hard, guys out there shit. that have made a couple of good homebrews and said, "I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try this thing." It's like maybe this gives them a little dose of education, reality, whatever yeah. you want to call it. You know. Yeah. It's well, not just, and, uh, you know, and, and and when you when you put a plan together like like we did, is you got to look at what's the up upfront cost. And then what's your what's your burn? Meaning, what what's your upfront cost? How much does it cost for you to brew your first batch of beer? And then burn is a term that's used for how much money do you need to spend to keep the doors open until you are actually cash flow positive? Until the beer you sell covers your monthly spend. And uh, you know, so those those are two costs and one revenue that. Uh, need to be really, really well understood, and then where that money comes from, particularly for the upfront cost and the operating burn. You know, it's really important to make sure you have that set up properly. No matter what avenue you take, whether it's private or whether it's public or whether it's um, um, something that's you know a blend. Yeah, I mean. Dave could have gone two roads with that. He could have said all the words that he just said, or he could have just shook his MBA in front of me, and I would have gotten the same thing out of it. Because I'm pretty sure I don't understand anything you just said other than, like, there's different avenues to get invested. <laughs> well done, sir. Well Cheers, done. Cheers, let's drink. Well done. Um, 420. I, did, did, uh, did, did the uh, tech background, does that play any role? Did this prepare you at all for what you're doing right now, 2018, April 20th, 2018? Like. Uh, Problem solving, constant, everyday figuring problem solving. shit out. Is that what you call? Is it problem solving or is it just figuring shit out? Like well, yeah, I I would call those the same thing. I'm not sure how how we we cut that you. hair, but um, it's like there's always something broken. There's always something that you got to figure out. Um, we manage everything through Google spreadsheets, so it's not exactly programming in the old way, but you know we've got some pretty hairy spreadsheets that we have to work through. Um, so that's a little bit of like techie kind of, you know, yeah. whatever, get, get your laptop work on, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I think I was explaining earlier, just wearing many hats and like small company tech work is like that. How do you prioritize? Ironically, neither then, of you wear hats. And <laughs> yeah, that's because of our big just ass bushy hair. That too we much got. hair. Too <laughs> much Letting hair. flow, baby. <laughs> But and you know the other thing is that you know we we, we picked up a, a heavy a heavy freaking dose of like relentlessness, and when shit gets shitty, because it does, just staying focused and pushing through and persevering and having confidence in yourself and your partner, that we're gonna get this shit figured out and get yeah. it done. Yeah. What'd you guys say when when I met you met Kevin in the in the back? What'd you guys say you're about uh, the time you spend together versus <laughs> uh, we're we're basically married. There it is. That's yeah. what I was looking married for. Married through business. Yep, absolutely. Exactly. Um, you know, people say you know choose choose your business partners wisely, and I think it helped that we knew each other for twenty years, twenty odd years, 
going into this, both in a work environment and a drinking environment. Because yeah. if you're just yeah. drinking buddies yeah. with yeah. somebody, you don't really know what their work ethic is. You don't know how they uh, resolve conflicts under stress. Um, so I think that really helped us a lot um, and gave us the confidence to, to go into this because it is like every day, 12 hours a day almost, you mm-hmm. know? That's it, just 12? <laughs> Most I feel like with all the interruptions and things that right, you... Right, right. Well, turns into more like 14, 16. Then you're going yeah. home and worrying about that. Like and waking you, up in the middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's yeah. what I was going yeah. at. That's where I was going. Do you, how do you guys utilize, uh, I mean, you know, we talked a little, I think we touched a little bit on like how marketing and stuff like, but how do you guys utilize social media? I mean, is uh, it's essential, know, right? It's and essential. Oh, it's critical. It's, yeah. it's really our only marketing avenue. We don't have like paid advertising. Um, we have, Dave mentioned uh, Emily O'Keefe. She does uh, uh, social media management, event management for us. Um, and all that stuff runs through her. Um, she's great at what she does. You know, we provide ideas and, and kind of uh, kind of goals for what we want to see out there. Yeah. How you know, and, the, and then she takes it and runs with it and does the photography and writes up a blurb or takes you know a beer description that I might write up and then she, she crafts crafts around it. So she's like, "This is garbage. I'm going to change it." No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Kidding. Um, and uh, you know, and, and it's huge for like growing an audience, um, uh, getting people interested. I think uh, you know, especially like Instagram. I think even more than Facebook uh, is great because it's a visual medium, uh, and you don't have to wait through as much of the politics and family feuding that happens on, on Facebook <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Um, so worst. I think it, I think it's really a good that at least Instagram's a really good venue for like highlighting beer and, and and the beauty of what beer can be and what a tap room can look like when it's lively and all that kind of stuff. So. You got one behind you right now. Yeah, super lively. Yeah, it's bumping tonight. Super tap roomy. Now I feel yeah, guilty. I asked up. them to turn the music down slightly for our podcast. <laughs> oh, like, did they? We're not giving them the full the full breadth of your musical oh we can turn goodness. it up no oh well, no my but my 25 year old i'm talking about the uh, listeners i'm talking speakers. about the, the people oh. here oh sorry <laughs> i feel like we're depriving them of a little more bump but no i mean social media is such a huge thing and, and everybody uses it and most guys have the same story as you guys it's like that's all i have you yeah, know? It's, yeah that's my advertising you're not paying people um, can you point Emily out to me at some point tonight? Because she's going to be the one I'm bothering when I want to post this, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. To share it out? Oh, awesome. Uh, why low res? Yeah. I um, mean, it feels like I should be able to guess, but I'm going to let you guys tell that. It might yeah. be more funny if you took a guess. No. Try no, it. Try it. Huh? I just I was trying to vaguely relate it to something tech, but then I was like, nah. You're in the right uh, direction. Yeah. No, go ahead. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> low res is, is shortened for low resolution. Um, so, you know, we kind of look at our careers as going, you know, from high tech to, you know, online to offline, uh, going from bites to beers, that kind of thing. So low res kind of fell out of that. Um, and it's kind of a philosophy as well. In, in the high tech world, it's like, I need more cloud servers. I need more gigabytes of RAM. I need... I need a higher resolution phone. Yeah, bigger, bigger screen size, more bandwidth. So it's like this, like keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing. And, and low res is like, no, you know what? We're getting out of that. We're stopping that. Um, let's sit down, have a beer, meet people, talk to people in a taproom environment. Um, and it's kind of a philosophy of just like enjoying life, what's in front of you, living in the minute, not like constantly worried about how many likes I'm getting on Facebook, um, 
So that's kind of the low res philosophy as well. I think beer helps slow our minds down a little bit, helps us reconnect with people. Yeah, get your serotonin from your beer, not from uh, not from your likes. <laughs> you don't want that wow, brain that's flow. Pretty good. Yeah. You got anything to add that's to that good, low that's res? A good riff. Oh, that's a good sorry, riff. I didn't yeah. mean to stun you with my beautiful, beautiful uh, paraphrasing of serotonin nonsense. in the yeah. glass. Yeah, sorry. There you go. When's that beer being brewed? Uh, maybe that's that. our maybe that's, that's our, our hazy saison. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's got to be called hazon. Or uh, no, you're right. You could just call that. That'd be the category. Hazon. <laughs> Anything else you want to add about low res? I mean, what else? We got other things you guys want to talk about. You got events coming up. We got uh, oh, one year anniversary party coming up. Uh, the dang. first weekend of June. Oh, that's God. a big hitter right there. We're, uh, well, it's actually the second weekend of June. Second. Yeah, but now I that you've made it official, I guess we should talk it's about the it. Nine. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, the 9th of June, that's actually one year and one day anniversary of opening our tap room. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to take over the, uh, the parking lot that's attached to our building, have a, uh, six or seven bands out there on the loading dock stage, a uh, bunch of beer tents. Vendors, food, couple, mayhem. Hopefully some guest breweries as well. So it'll be a little mini beer festival for a Saturday afternoon. Hopefully. Do you have some in mind? Or we do indeed, we but we're, we're not releasing the list Damn yet. You so. guys, I've pre I've pre-sold them, but okay. we're not we're not we're not yeah. there yet. Details will be they're, coming out. All right, so they're good. They're 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 two things. They're they're super good friends of ours, and they make goddamn great beer that we really respect. So, um, you know, we we kind of want to celebrate with them. And then, uh, as we say that, we should probably also throw out there that. We're also going to have a nonprofit. We definitely don't want to talk about that because that's still in the works right now. But there's going to be a uh, hopefully a sizable nonprofit that we're going to be working with um, to raise money, and the money that goes towards our guest taps will go directly to the nonprofit, as well as some other some other funds that we're that Kevin and I are working on with some uh, different techniques to to raise. So, do you guys have uh, do you guys have collabs in the bank already? You got stuff coming out yeah, anytime man. soon? Who have you guys worked we, with? Uh, we've done a couple of beers with Old Irving. So we talked about Trevor and Love Andres. Him. Those guys are great. <laughs> Andres is great. Um, <laughs> he was speaking a little German for us. He was doing all kinds of stuff. He was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did a uh, we, we did a beer up by them, uh, like kind of a super saison, high ABV saison. So kind of uh, went with some of our techniques, some of their techniques. And then they came down here and brewed a... Uh, uh, Plum Goza with us. That sounds uh, sexy. So that was really good. Uh, and then we have a new collab coming out. I assume I can talk about this. Well, let's, let's talk about the uh, the cucumber beer first. Keep oh, yeah. And then, and then we've oh. done uh, oh. that cucumber pink peppercorn uh, beer was done with uh, Chicago Athletic Association. Oh, I saw that on uh, the menu, right? That, that's, is yeah. that on tap right now? Yeah, I yeah it is. The Chicago yeah. I was wondering, like, how do they get involved with a collab, you know? Yeah, They've so got a great program down there. The, uh, the, uh, the, the beer bar there is a fantastic dude named Dave Thompson. And um, he, he does sort of a monthly um, collaboration with different breweries to create a new beer that's unique for them. And then they'll throw on a couple other beers uh, in the meantime during that month. And so he, he came down and he, he was engaged, man. Like he came down and he got involved in creating uh, the concept. He came down getting his hands dirty, busting down these cucumbers, um, the tastings that we did. Um, so uh, it, that was a really fun beer that we did. And, then, and now we're actually on our second iteration 
of a collaboration with a, a beer up at Wrigley, a beer up at Lucky Door, Lucky which Door. is yeah, uh, I met the guys from Lucky Door. Yeah, while I was at Old Irving. Uh, Jimmy Delo, Delo, that was the guy. Ah, he he's actually a great was on dude. the podcast for a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah. right on. Yeah, because I, I I thought that was a great concept. So all yeah. the things are doing because I saw Noon Whistle, I saw Old Irving, I saw Alarmist. All them had beers uh, for that concept of the Lucky Door stuff. Uh, yeah, so we did a, uh, and he he similarly uh, he's been really engaged. Um, uh, I said too, it's sort of three more or less. We did. Um, um, Sorry, he's just pointing Emily out I'd for lo- me, right? Emily, I'd That's love what's a beer. happening right now. Do you do you want one of those cucumber saisons? Uh, just a small pour, because I'm a, yeah, I got a long drive ahead of me. I'm I'm already just banging down a ten percent barrel aged out, so. We, we already mentioned Emily O'Keefe's name a couple yes, of times. Yes, we love Emily. You're the cornerstone of low res. <laughs> she and Ginny are left She's and right hands. She's not buying it right now. She just rolled her eyes. She's like, I'm going to get you guys some beers to so shut up. <laughs> um, no, but that Lucky Door stuff, you're talking about D-Lo. is also really involved. Yeah, so D-Lo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep calling him D-Lo. D-Lo special sauce? Yeah, right? That's right. G-Love. That's it. No, so so we started off uh, when they opened doing with with Nilo and the Lucky Door a um, a a spelt a spelt grain saison, and then we mixed it up sort of mid season for fun. Uh, we've got a wee heavy that we do off and on depending on the season. That's it's sort of a wee heavy. It's got a little bit of a soul of an English brown to it, and we did that one specifically for them with um, uh, chipotle peppers and wahilo peppers. So it's got um, really nice smokiness to it, just a little bit of heat. And then uh, then this year we did uh, LimeWire. I don't know if you want to talk about LimeWire. Yeah, so LimeWire, Belgian wit style. Uh, We have it at the tap room. We have it at Lucky Door. Um, Belgian wit normally brewed with orange peel and coriander. We swapped the orange peel for lime peel. Uh, And then in the fermenter we added uh, agave syrup. So the idea was, you know, bring a little bit of those kind of Mexican flavors in with the lime and the agave. Um, so you get a real nice kind of gentle, subtle limeness on the nose. And then the agave adds kind of a, a floralness and also like a subtle, like earthiness to it. Um, but it's still kind of got the heart of a Belgian wit beer, which is a, a easy drinking wheat, wheat beer. So one word came up in those and what you were saying, uh, Dave, uh, that I, I, I Sometimes I just don't understand spelt. What, what, what is the spelt? Yeah, spelt is basically like the ancestor of wheat. So it's kind of like uh, an Before early... Before wheat was domesticated. Yeah, an early cultivar of wheat. Um, it's actually a gluten-free grain. Um, now, the beer itself that we made was not because we still had barley in it. But um, it's, uh, it's like a more earthy kind of uh, a flavor to uh, the beer than, than wheat would, would give. Um, and then we paired that particular saison. So we had the spelt for the earthiness, kind of a bottom note. And we used some real floral uh, Slovenian hops to kind of give it a brightness on the nose. Uh, so you kind of had this, this kind of high and low uh, effect. And, and we thought that was really a great beer for last year's uh, Lucky Door season. And when you, In fact, you, you, I, think it's, I think it might be on tap right now at the Bad Apple. Oh, oh really? just to throw that out just there. So, Someone just has so, a keg of that left? Just yeah. so anybody's Man, I'm, I'm going to go get some of that. Yeah. I like Cheers that Cheers to Emily for, for bringing us. What did oh, she bring us? Uh, this is Moir, which is our cucumber saison with the pink peppercorn. Cheers, Cheers. again to clink. you fellas. Clink, clink. Um, yeah, spelt. Okay, now you went through spelt, and now I'm also having a flashback to an earlier conversation. You mentioned it very briefly and in passing. Um, 
I don't know how important it is to it, but you mentioned the word heirloom. And that's hmm. something I've heard from just other things I've listened to podcast-wise and, and not even beer-related. Just the difference between, like, the wheat and stuff that is grown here on American soil versus, like, heirloom wheat that you could, you know. Yeah, could, and, and I think I was probably referencing the, the rye that yes, Far North uses yes, in, their, in their whiskey. And, and I'm not sure heirloom is the right word, but it's a special cultivar that it uses. Um, you know, there are definitely uh, malts that we get from Europe. Uh, we use a lot of uh, uh, Czech Pilsner malt um, for like a real nice bready flavor base note. Uh, we use a couple of uh, European cultivars, uh, Maris Otter, which is very popular. A lot of brewers that like one using I know. that. That uh, one I kind know. of gives like a nutty, malty flavor as a, as a base note. Um, and then we use uh, uh, like Golden Promise, which is kind of another heirloom variety that's grown in, in England as well, um, which is more soft than, than Maris Otter, but we use it in a, in a different Scotch Ale. Could, is, um, is, does that Golden Promise, is that bring, I've heard things from brewers say like that the mouthfeel maybe on like a New England style IPA, it's a good to have that. Kind of that golden promise in there to kind of soften oh, it up. A I didn't bit. realize they were using that in oh, in the New England. I've I might have it, to use that in my heard hazon. Heard it from a couple people. But, yeah. Uh, but no, it, yeah, it's got it's it's got a real nice uh, uh, body to it and a nice maltiness to it that, that you don't get with a normal uh, North American two row. We do use North American two row as a base for a number of beers. When we when we're not trying to highlight malt flavors, we just want that fermentable and just like you know just like a gentle kind of maltiness um so you use different grains in, in different ways um to bring out certain flavors and certain recipes so they are important and it's nice that uh some of those are still being uh grown in certain areas they, they're often not the high, highest yielding so the farmer doesn't get pay, you know paid as much per acre or the price has to be more to make it worthwhile for the farmer to grow it um but yeah they're still grown and they're still used for sure to, to get the different subtle flavors you want yeah, it's flavors. Is that it's also health and all. I mean, everything is just a better version of something. I guess you know it speaks to what you were saying, like the the yield. It's all about the bottom line. It's like you know how much am I getting out of this? Is it beneficial for me to grow this versus uh, growing right. the basic I, shit? It, that, it's hard to be a farmer. I yeah. mean, like, and they have to think about that stuff, right? So, uh, so you know, more power to them for choosing to do something you know that that might be heirloom and they might not get the yields or might be more susceptible to crop pesticides or something like that because it, it hasn't been bred or engineered for resistances. So, I mean, now that we've just bored you with wheat and bar- <laughs> barley talk. I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I've had some really great, like, nerded out conversations where it's like, it's, it's new to me, but it's something that's passionate from the guy on the other side of the table that I'm talking to. The big ones are water. Water. And like I talked Super about, nerdy. Yeah. And I talked yeah. about Brian, Brian and the yeast conversation that we just had recently and just right there with the, talking about the malts and the wheats and the different, yeah, it, it's, it's incredible, like how you could take each facet of what's in our glass right now and put a magnifying glass on it and go as deep as you want. Oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, and there, I mean, there are books written about, there's a series of books written out the four, about the four main ingredients of beer, you know, hops, yeast, uh, malt, or sorry, hops, yeast, grain, I should say, not just malt. And water. I've heard uh, a couple people have recommended a book called Water to me. And yeah, it's a tough read. That's what I'm talking but it's about. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm referencing exactly. Okay. Do we know who wrote that book? I feel like somebody threw that at me. That name. I do not remember. No, the author's that's all right. Name. I've read it, but I don't remember the name. <laughs> I've read it. It's fine. Yeah. I've heard no. it was a tough read, but it's the great East read. book was written it by is. a Chicago dude. 
I think it was uh, John Sparrow, I think. Uh, we won't give him credit either way. Yeah, no. uh, anyway. <laughs> it was written by David Dahl. Yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> So, I mean, what do you guys, what do you guys want to leave the people with, the, the thought of low-res brewing? I mean, what, what kind of, what would you leave parting thoughts with? I, yeah, like know, that. I do this all the time. It's like the most, <laughs> it's the most canned question that I ask, you know, usually I, towards the end, like when we're wrapping up, I'll, I'll throw that canned, out there. I'll give you some canned cheese. Yeah, I, I feel, I feel bad asking it because they, they always look at each other like, I don't know, what do you think? What should we say? It's been five years since we practiced our elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since you pitched prestige worldwide to everybody. Yeah. No, I, I, no, I think I, I guess uh, in, in my in my in my my perspective, you know, come check out Low Res, whether it's um, uh, you know in Pilsen at the Barrel or in Bridgeport at Maria's or Lucky Door, like we said, or Delilah's in, in Lincoln Park. We've got 80 accounts around town. We pop up off and on. Come to our tap room. You know, we've got, uh, we typically have between 10 and 12 beers on tap, Belgian malt forward beers. And there's usually music, live music getting down. There's art on the walls and there's something fun fun and weird happening. There's some great art on the wall. I, I, I remember one piece, I mean, it's a, it's a bunch of pictures all together, but the one I looked at was the one with the birds on it and it said something like, fuck your borders or something, or fuck yeah, borders. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. What, a cool, what a cool drawing or yeah, piece. Yeah, the, the art right now is a group, uh, the IGC, and, and the, it's a group of artists um, who are here local to Pilsen, and, and so a lot of their art right now is centered around po- political resistance and DACA and immigration and stuff, so that's kind of where some of those prints came so from. So beautiful visual and a, and a great message at the same time. I enjoyed Absolutely, that. I enjoyed yeah. that piece. Um, it, I mean, seriously, though, anything else? Like, what's a, Do you guys have anything you want to like let people know is coming up? Any collabs you got going other than what we talked about? Yeah, we do have a new, well, a new collab coming out for uh, Craft Beer Week. We brewed a new dry hop saison with Goose Island. We got Whoa. access to Goose. to some of their uh, super secret South African hops that everyone was yelling about they couldn't get access to. So we got access to that. Um, so we're doing a, a dry hop saison. It'll be perfect for uh, Craft Beer Week in May. Super drinkable, tropical. Um, so really, yeah, we're, we're doing really, that one new. We're really tight with one of the guys there from from our, our prior world, and uh, so that's been a really fun experience getting to know more of those folks. And we actually brew down here on our system and learning from them how they do recipe development, learning from them as they watch us brew and how talk about how you know clearly things are very different scales. So that's been a really fun experience, and that beers. Um, what the Battle of the Bands is happening? Uh, uh, it'll be uh, Sunday, May twentieth. So it's their Sunday Fun Day uh, dodgeball tournament, and that beer will be uh, debuting then. See how I told you, Kevin's better with details than me. Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> You're the distro guy. You should be worrying about that stuff. I guess. I guess we need. Oh, em- I do. We Believe need me, Emily I do. more than we need <laughs> that. We need any of this. So Emily could probably. Tell yeah, us. we need Emily. Emily. We need Emily know all the What's going on social media yeah. next? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, first of all, let me just say thank you guys. Thank you, thank you for it's Friday night. Yeah, you guys blast, are man. letting me hang out in your badass tap room yeah, and drink you, your Joe. awesome beer. And this doesn't even come out yet. And I have a bottle of it in my hand. See, look at that. How, there how, you go. how lucky am I? 
and I got to taste it beforehand. So I really, I really appreciate you guys taking the time out. Like this is huge for me to have guys like you guys on, and you guys are growing. And like I said, we talked about this off mic. Uh, you guys have articles that you're, you're jumping into. You get ranked in top fives and different things in Chicago land. Porch drinking, right? They, they yeah. got yeah, that, that was, was one recent. of them. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then the Eventbrite piece. Uh, oh, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. I mean. Yeah, you guys have been around for what you said, 10, 11 months with an open tap room to the public. You've been distroing since, what, twenty late 2016? Yeah, so yeah exactly. Now. Yeah, so you've been around, but, you know, in brewery years, you can be kind of young. We are building it one brick at a time, one step at a time, and exactly. uh, just keeping keeping on the road we're on so that's what's that's what's important perseverance like they've said earlier the most important thing for me when i leave a place from doing one of these is that you feel like real people and you're real people i, I really enjoy talking to you guys and it was just a conversation it wasn't like for shit you know like oh Hell let's yeah, see man, what, what can we talk about next like what, what else have we got like right. uh, you guys are really like salt of the earth people it feels like you you like the tap room it feels like you're talking to your customers you're checking in with your staff like all that stuff really cool uh, I think a lot of people are going to be flooding upon you when this weather starts to turn like this. When they hear the podcast. Yeah, the, nah, joke, the yeah, nice, average dude. Joe's bump, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Let's, make that a, see it. let's make that a thing. Let's make that a thing. Yeah. Average Joe bump. You hear that, guys? We're going to get, get Joe bumped. Air. Yeah, you're going to get Joe bumped. I don't know what that means. <laughs> now you're just getting inappropriate. Let's go figure. Two hours in, now he starts to turn on me. Right. <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you guys. I appreciate it. You guys got a great place here, and, and I've heard nothing but great things from people in the industry, people just getting into craft beer, just guys I know that live in this area. Uh, you got to check them out. You're doing a beer podcast? You got to go check Low Res out. Eh? So well, it's kind of a no-brainer for me. Thank you so much. Thanks We're a lot, really dude. happy to do it. a lot of fun. Yeah, All right. Yeah. One last chance. Anything else you want to leave? leave the giant listenership of my podcast i'm being sarcastic right drink now. more beer yeah drink more more good beer more good beer right exactly or, or more beer yeah <laughs> it's all good in the end and if you love a damn good belgian yeast strain just get over here because you got so many options you have so many great options for that person that just loves that profile of a beer yep. not that you in like and you got the hoppy accident uh, of your ipa for those of you who don't maybe want to right we, do we do have something for everything for the, everyone i'll tell you what though the russian imperial stout special whatever whatever that is that's that's a special beer right there that one i really enjoyed as well so thank you guys again and i know i've said that like 40 times but uh cheers to you guys thanks joe this has been a blast we'll let you guys get back to your friday nights and say hello cheers. to all your patrons cheers joe thanks cheers we're out